Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Welcome everybody to the Nurse Leader Network. We love our Nurse Leader Insiders. And today we're going to talk about something that probably has not crossed your nurse leader mind. Take a guess at what that is. Let's just take a guess. Hmm. Today we're going to talk about what it means to be visionary. Are you born a visionary or do you learn how to be visionary? And what does it mean to be a visionary leader? Can you answer that question? Are you a visionary leader? And if you are saying yes, how are you defining that? So today's guest is going to help us walk through what it's like uh, to become a visionary leader, which is what we need in nursing, what we need in healthcare. So welcome to the show. Today, we have Annette Montalvo, and she is the visionary nurse. Thank you, Chris. So awesome to be here. And I just love getting a chance to participate in this conversation. And hi to everyone out there. I'm Antoinette Montalvo, your visionary nurse, and I'm really excited to walk through some of these steps on being visionary, um, being influential in your vision, and just transforming your nursing profession. Okay. So how did you become the visionary nurse? <laughs> the million dollar question. Right? Like, tell me, the, I need to know. Inquiring right minds. The, right from the punch. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, I, I love to start off with that question because it's such a good way to unpack a lot of my journey. And I think a lot of it just embodies who I am. And I love how you kind of set that whole thing up of, are you born a visionary or do you learn to be one? And I definitely think there's a cross section between the two. Um, I think a lot of times for the majority of us, we don't realize that we have these great vision plans and goals inside of us until we are confronted with situations that push us to say, you know what, there's something more that I want to do. And we may not label it as a vision. We may think of it as, you know, there's this plan I have for my life, or there's this thing I want to accomplish. But really that vision is just that bigger outlook on who you are beyond maybe just your profession, the relationships in your life, where you went to school or where you didn't go to school, what's happened in your life. That vision is that broader perspective that defines beyond what even society may see you doing. And I think that's a big thing right now for nurses, because I think there's a lot of nurses who are saying, you know what, maybe how society thought I was defined looks a little bit different. Maybe how I thought I was defined looks a little bit different than what it looks like right now. So in really jumping into how I became the visionary nurse, a lot of it started where you know, I had this idea of wanting to impact health and education in some way, shape, or form. I just wasn't sure how I wanted to get to that point. And I start my story there because I think a lot of that leads up to how my vision has unfolded. And I had this kind of idea in my mind that I wanted to um, be a, a broad influence within the global front. I wanted to educate others on being healthy, but I also wanted to help people understand how to be their best selves. And I saw this kind of image in my mind, but I didn't really know what it was going to play out as. So after what age did you start? Like, sorry to interrupt yeah. you. Like at what age did you, were you just like, okay, this is what I want to do? I think it probably didn't really hit until 25-ish. Well, I should say in term, in, until I embraced that this is what I wanted to do. I think before I always like had this kind of like bigger picture of like my thought in life. I just didn't know how to, describe it. <laughs> and my family always kind of mentioned, I was like this unique, you know, insight in terms of what <laughs> I wanted to do. But I think unique was probably the proper word of how they were saying it. But it was like, I always just saw things in a very different light. But I'd probably think around the 25-ish age that I was like, you know what, 
I'm allowed to do more. <laughs> I'm allowed to have a bigger impact. And then from that point, there were probably several more years of like figuring it out. And then it was like, you know what? It's time to just make that shift. And so I think a, a piece of it is just, I don't think it matters what age, it's just a matter of saying, you know what, I'm going to recognize this and move on it. And some people catch that way earlier than, you know, than others. I think I have been a work in progress um, <laughs> over a variety of different things. You know, I was education was my first degree. I had a minor in Spanish, but then I went and lived abroad um, for three years and I worked and lived throughout Central America for a significant amount of time. And through that time, I didn't know I wanted to go into nursing at that time. I was like, do I go into, you know, as a pediatrician, do I go into public health? What do I do? But I loved community work. I loved traveling and being abroad, but I also loved the health education piece and the work that I was doing there. And so I kind of had this epiphany because all these nurses started showing up in my life. I think I was moving towards this space and I was like, you know what? Nurses are doing what I want to do, at least from what I see. They, they had that health piece. They have the education piece. They have the public health piece and they seem to have this flexibility to be in a lot of different spaces. So let's check it out. So I remember jumping on a old school bus that was converted into the mode of transportation at the time while I lived in Central America driving to the Capitol, uh, five hours away, sitting for my, my GREs to apply for nursing school, then sending off all of my applications and saying, you know what, here I am trying to figure out my life. We'll see what happens. And sure enough, I got those acceptances and it was, that was kind of the starting point towards what I realized was my visionary influence in a lot of ways. So fast forward, you know, I went through a, a, a variety of different experiences um, throughout my nursing journey um, as a nurse practitioner. I had an opportunity. Um, I went to University of Pennsylvania and had an opportunity to do a lot of business venture things. And, and that was also like opening up my ideas of, wait a second, this is, this is, there's more, there's more to it. There's more than what meets the eye. And at the time, you know, when we were kind of dabbling in some games for change is basically what it was called. And we were kind of the only nursing team. I started looking around and saying, more nurses need to be here. Nurses know how to do these things. They may not be all of the experts in computer science, and maybe some are, not all the experts in engineering, but nurses can contribute something new to the table. And that was my, I really think that was my first starting point to seeing kind of the light bulb moment of there's something more to my vision than even what I thought. I thought I was just being visionary by going into nursing. Little did I know that I was getting ready to become the visionary nurse as a result of it. <laughs> Oh, so, yeah. gosh, I love it. Tell me more about the Games for Change. Tell me what that is and how you got into it. I'd love to hear the story of like, how did that like literally open up your eyes and, and turn on that light bulb? Yeah. So it would start off as I, we were in our community health rotation um, and there was this opportunity that Penn was broadcasting at the time, um, which was a Pennvention competition. Um, and so myself and a couple of nursing colleagues were like, we should throw this game that we made for our community health rotation class into it. We were just making what we termed at the time body wars. Um, I think we figured out now that it was an old name of a Disney ride as well. So I don't know if we actually, I don't know if we, we kept that name, but at the time that's what we called it. And we were really just trying to better educate a couple of adolescent teens that were in what's known as the youth detention center or the youth study center, like juvenile detention is, is kind of the lay term for it. And so we wanted to be, we wanted to be more interactive. I mean, we had all these teens around us. We were all these like, you know, young nursing students and they were looking at us like, so what are you guys going to teach? Us? <laughs> You're like, what hmm. do you guys want to do with that? <laughs> so 
we decided to come come up with this game and it, it was probably the most amazing moment to see these teens who have been through very challenging moments in their life have fun. They were having so much fun. They loved just being able to have someone engage them. And I think that really broadened my perspective because it showed me no matter what environment you're in, people want to learn. So never boil down someone to what you think you know. Sometimes you just have to know how to engage them. That's a part of being visionary, knowing how to engage your audience in a way that doesn't come from your perspective. It comes from the perspective of that individual and crafting it in a way that engages them. And so we saw this thing and we thought, hey, if we can get these like teen kids to do this thing, maybe we can get anybody to do this thing. So <laughs> we threw our threw our hat in the ring of this Penvention competition. It was very, very fresh, very new. It was something that Penn was trialing out way before like innovation was a buzzword by any means. And we joined in and we looked around, like I said, I looked around the room and we were the only nurses. And there was this one elevator pitch competition to describe our game. And you know, what its impact was. And, and we ended up winning that competition. We totally won that. And people were like, floored. We were kind of the, you know, <laughs> the, the underdog story of that time. <laughs> I love it. And it opened up all these opportunities where conferences on what was called at the time Games for Change wanted to talk to us about this board game that we were making that was health focused. We were trying to learn about gamification, which I had no idea what gamification was at the time at all algorithms of how to like make games and this, that, and the other. And I was like, I just, I just want to use my stethoscope. I'm still trying to under- <laughs> like understand how to insert an IV. I never thought about like gamification by any means, but it was at that point that I was like, wait a second, nursing's big. Like this is, this is, this is much bigger than what I realized. Like there's so many ways, if I'm willing to step into a place that's far outside of my comfort zone, there are definitely people who want to cheer me on, but there's also way more that I can learn that can add to this skill, even beyond learning how to like flush an IV line. So took a bunch of like free business classes through the business school there and always had on the back of my mind, this is something that I want to implement as I move forward. So finished my NP degree, started working in the community and always had this idea in my mind of wanting to make a change, wanting to be a change agent beyond what I even consider for myself of, you know, I thought I had, I thought I was going to arrive when I got to being an NP, but I was like, wait a second, I'm just scratching the surface here. Um, And so, you know, it just kept blossoming in that way. And uh, ultimately after working clinically for a bit of time and getting a chance to really understand some of the nuances of, of healthcare beyond just delivering care. Cause at that time it was, you know, just the bubblings of like social determinants of health and other things in the community that impact healthcare were starting to surface again. I felt like I was always on this like beginning wave that I didn't know I was on until all of a sudden it was like, oh, wait, everybody's talking about this right now. But what I cared about most was that the patients that I were working with were, they were vulnerable. They were underserved. They were low resource, but not because they had to be. It was because society was crunching them into a corner that didn't allow them to say, you know what, how do I engage you better? What can I do to engage you better? Yes, you might have gone through a really hard time in your life. Yes, your child might be in the custody of someone else right now. Yes, you might have just encountered violence, unfortunate abuse, um, drug overdose. But how can I engage you right here to say you have value and I want to add to your value? I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to partner with you on what to do. And I think a piece of that has probably come a little bit internally <laughs> from just my own understanding that sometimes you don't know where people are coming from, but if you have an opportunity to meet them right where they are, then help them be the best that they can be in that moment. And a portion of that is stemmed from 
you know, in my own life, pers- on a personal front, my, my biological father was unfortunately killed in a car accident when I was two. And it very much, it shaped my life in a way that it, I could have very much been a statistic, but I ended up not being because I said to myself, you know what, I'm not going to let myself be defined by that. I had this, you know, kind of divine moment of just life continued to move forward in a positive way, despite hurt. Our family life, even though it was very much different <laughs> in the initial stages, I was very blessed to have, you know, a father now that, that cared for me as if he, you know, I was his own flesh and blood. And even to this day, even when I kind of tell this story more and more, people don't even see the, 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 the difference whatsoever. They're like, wait, but I thought you said, but this is your, and I was like, this is my dad. This is what I know. This is who I know, but it doesn't discredit who my biological father was. It just allowed me to see that even if someone's going to encounter a hard thing, meet them where they are right there and show them, you know what, if I can survive past this, you can too. And you have an impact to make as a result of your story. And so from that point, I think that's probably built in some of my own visionary influence. And the older I get, the more I learn, I I get stories about my biological father and how he was also this kind of visionary before his time. And he was an entrepreneur and always was trying to sell things and, you know, from insurance to like whirly birds, I love it. <laughs> he was always <laughs> trying to do stuff. And I was like, wow, this has like been in my DNA, but also I've chosen to say, I want to make an impact beyond it. So anyway, from all of those different things, you know, a lot of this is bubbled and it drove me to really want to impact the community in a way that was a lot more sustainable than what I felt like I could do in the 15 minute around in and in and out because, you know, people have needs and I want to be available for those needs and I want to take care of those needs in as best as way as possible. And so we moved to rural South Carolina and I said, you know what, I want to start this project. We'll see what happens. I don't know how to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump into it. And, you know, we termed it Montalver International. And we had this lofty goal of transforming the landscape of healthcare. And when I arrived, I thought I was going to work with this pediatrician in the area. And what I didn't know at the time was the pediatrician was getting ready to leave. I got a lot of pushback because I was the outsider in a rural community. And I also was ending up in one of the most restrictive states for NP practice at the time. And I was like, what, what do I do? Like, I've been making this big plan. I've been telling people, hey, I want to do this thing. What do I do? And that at that point, I realized, you know what, Antoinette, the vision's in you. It's not about a building. It may not be about who you're collaborating with right now. The vision is in you. You have the idea. So do what you can do with it until it becomes what it needs to be. And sure enough, Visionary Nurse was born at that very moment. And here I am talking to you about it. So, Oh my gosh, I love it. So tell me, what type of work do you do with the Visionary Nurse? Yeah, so a portion of it is kind of like my branding. Um, and it's really about a philosophy in a lot of ways. The actual portion of my company is, is a consulting coaching services. So it's Antoinette Montalvo Consulting and Coaching. And I had this kind of offshooter philosophy of the Visionary Nurse recognizing that um, whatever you are doing, whether in nursing or maybe even beyond, you have a vision and you have an outlook. Um, So what can you do with what you're given, right? So a lot of it has stemmed from being a community health consultant. And I strategically work with organizations to think about if you were to consider the, the community as a patient in a lot of ways, how do you need to listen to your community better? What can you do in the way of your program implementation um, and some of the education, the outreach that you're providing or even some of the ways that you are delivering the care that you're doing, does it truly reflect that patient or that community? 
Is it based off of what you hope to do or what dollars you hope to spend? Or is there some level of having your community engaged and then responding to the community in a way that's going to be reflective? So that's one side of it. So some of it might be working with coalitions. I've done a lot of media outreach on the local radio, just educating on what the big issues are in the community from you know, mental health and wellness, especially during the pandemic, to just basic pediatric care. And then on the flip side of it is working as a coach and mentor for nurses. And so really helping other nurses kind of tap into their understanding that you do have a vision, you do have an influence, and you have an opportunity to be a visionary nurse and how you do that. So being the visionary nurse is not significant only to me. It's to anyone who carries that vision inside of themselves. And I'm here to say, you can do it regardless of what it looks like right now. So that's a lot of, you know, the philosophy and kind of the work behind what I do. So tell me about how did you make that shift? How did you go from, I'm working as an NP. I know I have this, this vision, this goal, this, this, you know, thing inside of me. How did you go from that shift and what would you give in terms of, you know, advice for nurses who are listening right now that are like, I know there's something in here. I know I have something bigger. How do you begin to define it, to mold it, to be able to like, see what it is, take off those blinders or Yeah, no, I, I think the big piece of it is I had to get to a point where I couldn't overcalculate what I was doing. Because if I was constantly saying, oh, I don't have enough of, or I don't have all the pieces of, or I haven't figured all the things out, then I literally kind of cheated myself and someone who I could have impacted out of an opportunity to make a change. And so I, I recognized when I kept running into these roadblocks and these barriers of like, what I thought I was going to do was come and be this PNP in this rural area and then get to know the community and then work with this pediatrician and go from there. But when everything that all the expectations I thought I was going to have kept getting stripped away, I had to make a decision in myself and say, am I going to be defined by what I do or who I am? And I think a lot of that was just, a, uh, there was a very much a mindset perspective in it because a lot of times we can just, even within the nursing profession, we could say, well, all I've ever done is peds. How do I know I can work with adults? How do I know I can work in the ICU? How do I know I can work in the ER? But I think a lot of it is saying, where's your foundation? What do you have? If you take stock of what you have, not what you're doing, but what you have, if you were to reconstruct that and define that into something else in an ideal world, what would you want to be doing? And when you're able to at least put some kind of face to that, some type of value to that, then you recognize in yourself, you know what, actually, I do have something to contribute, even if it seems like there's a lot of these barriers and roadblocks. And I think innately for myself, I'm also also just so <laughs> I'm a little bit competitive. So I'm like, if someone's going to tell me no, I'm just going to run harder. <laughs> like, if someone says, you know, like, we don't want me. this right now, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> So I think a portion of that is, you know, kind of a little bit of an edge of being willing to push past the bar. And I think a lot of it, you know, for many different nurses and anyone out there, I think we all come to that front. And, and I think if anything, we all have a competitive edge to ourselves, especially as nurses. I think it takes a level of something to say, yes, I can do this thing. I can take care of this patient. I can deliver this med. And it may take some time building up that confidence. But I think I got to a point of saying, you know what, I can't just sit here twiddling my thumbs. I literally am uprooting my life to do something different. I'm going to, I want to do something to make it show. So I'm just going to go for it. So what would that look like if there's a nurse listening right now and is like, okay, so I'm going to take stock of who I am. I mean, would they maybe like on a piece of paper kind of write like skills that they have or experiences that they've lived through or what, what, what would that look like? Yeah. So 
I mean, that's that's a great question. And, and we'll kind of just go through this little vision, vision mapping exercise, basically, right? So here's a snapshot way. So I think number one, the biggest thing is if you had to describe who you are, if you had to give yourself a one-liner, what would you what would you write down? That's the first thing that I would tell people to do. And I feel like that, if anything, gives you a visual for yourself. From that, the second piece I usually tell people is what's the mission statement you have on your life? And a mission statement, again, is not simply boiled down to what you're doing right now, but what is it that you want to be remembered for? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? Um, if someone said, you know, I saw that person and their life mission was X, Y, Z, then that is, that's the second step of writing that down because I think it helps give you clarity as to what you're interested in. And then I think that third step is just writing down what's all the things you've done to date. And I'm not saying recreate a resume, but I'm saying just writing down what are your biggest interests? What do you love doing? What drives you? What, what are you passionate about? Um, why did you, even if it's in nursing and you're trying to figure out how to be a better impact in nursing, remind yourself, why did you get into nursing? What does nursing do for you? What were you hoping to accomplish from it? Maybe you just said, you know what? I just need a job and this seemed like a sustainable thing. That's completely fine. But why this? And if you could do something else, what would you do? What would that look like? And then I think as you continue to unpack some of those things, thinking to yourself, if I could change one thing about the environment that I'm in right now, what would I change? It could be your personal environment. It can be your work environment. It can be a project that you're working on. But if I could change one thing, what would it be? The second piece of that is if I had all the resources in the world, how would I change that one thing? What would I do first? Because I think a lot of times when we want to change that one thing, we don't know how to start, right? So it's like once you know and identify what is it that makes you tick, what what burns inside of you, what's your what's your passion for a thing, then that helps kind of boil down what do you think is the first step? Even if it's not the right first step, what do you think the first step is? And then you take stock of what do I have in my toolkit right now that could lead me to that first step? And that toolkit could be, who do I know? What's in my network? What have I already accomplished? What's something I've, where, where somewhere I've worked, whatever the case is. And then the final thing is, what do I, what else do I need in order to make another step? So who do I need to get to know? What do I need to know? What do I need to learn? And then establish a mini timeline for yourself. When you take that one thing and say, you know what? It's really about this certificate in acute care for pediatrics. That's really what I need to do more of whatever the thing is. I'm going to put a timeline and say within the next one to two months to make it realistic for yourself. Don't say like, I'm going to do it tomorrow. And then you don't do it. And <laughs> I'm going to pass the exam tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm ready. Like I'm put me in coach, you know, like if you are great, do it. <laughs> but it's like, give yourself a realistic goal and say, you know what? In one to two months, I'm going to do this. And I always, if this is something I do for myself, if I have passed over the thing three times by that fourth time, I've got to do it. No matter what, I have to drop everything and do the thing. If I've like looked at that email and then I looked at it again, if I've looked at it again, I've only given, I'm only giving myself three times to look at that email by that fourth time, I'm going to sit down and I have to act on it. I have to do something and everyone can come up with their own measure. Maybe yours is five times, whatever the case is, but that's often my measure, especially for getting over the hurdle of something that feels like too big for me or feels like out of my comfort zone, or maybe I just don't want to do it. I put this marker on myself of saying, by the time you get to that fourth time, action has to happen. And it, and it builds an, a level of accountability and it, and it pushes you because then you, you get over that hurdle, then you can't make excuses anymore. So it's like, I'm going to give myself permission to make excuses three times. But after that, no more permission, you have to do something. So if I were to wrap it up in a ni- nice little bow, that's kind of how I would map that out for someone out there. 
I, I love that because what I have found transitioning into becoming an entrepreneur is that not just transitioning, even transitioning from, you know, nurse practitioner to administrator to nurse executive is I, the faster that I was able to make decisions, even if they were not the right decision, because I would learn from them, the faster I was able to grow as a human, the faster I was able to make change, the faster I was able to do better and succeed. And so all of the times that I was held back, it was a resistance I in myself pulled back. So by doing things like only giving yourself, okay, you have two times before you need to sit down and actually make a decision. Like Mm -hmm. that's just, I think it's a great practice around like the speed to success and making your life easier. So, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. I sit there and I remember when I was um, trying to make the decision around leaving my full-time job and I was, you know, really kind of scared and, you know, I knew I kind of needed to do it, but I like played around with the idea for a little while. And so if I had not done that, if I had a really just said, okay, I'm going to give myself, you know, four hours to sit and really think this through and then make the decision and stick with that decision. And then if it's not the right one, then I've learned that that's not the right decision. You know, it would have taken a whole like month off of stress and weight and all of that that you carry around off. And I really like the process that you share. There's um, a, a coach that I worked with and she had us do a similar exercise where she said, if people were to look at your resume, what would they see? And what would they say about what they see on the resume? Right. And so I put, oh, people would see that I'm a healthcare executive. That's what I do. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a nurse educator. I'm a healthcare executive. I am an entrepreneur. And then she said, what would your family say about you? You know, just your family being with you, what would they say? And I said that I was really funny and uh, very giving. I'm, you know, I, I do a lot of charity work and I'm always giving just what I do. And then they said, what would the voice inside your head that no, you don't want anybody to know say? And I was like, uh, I don't want to share it. She's like, you know, you got to share it. We got, so we had to share. And what the voice inside my head says is that I'm actually, even though people don't believe this or know this, I'm actually an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. Like I, I'm a talker. I love to engage. I love, um, you know, being around people, but I actually re-energize when I'm alone. And so I really appreciate having time to just sit and read a book and not be a mom and not be a wife and not be an entrepreneur. And I really, really love being, I'm a closet introvert. That's what it is. People think I'm extrovert, but I'm really not in closet. And so the activity was around how to make it so that those three blend, like, why am I different in my professional life than I am in my personal life? And then I am true to my core and myself. And so it's very similar in, in terms of you really beginning with identifying like, what do you want? Where do you want to go? And how do you align um, all of those different pieces so that you can actually like get to your goals? So I love that. I, I mean, I think it's great. Tell me how you went from like the idea of visionary nurse. Like I had an idea, right? Nurse Leader Network. You had the idea of visionary nurse. How did it go from like theoretical, which we all have this, this these theories of things we want to do and things that could potentially happen to actually like, now I'm making impact and change in my community. Like, did you just call up a coalition and you were like, hey, I'm the visionary nurse. Let me help you out. But how did it, what did it look like? I mean, it, it's funny that you say that because I feel like sometimes it does look like that where I'm like, hey, this is who I am. Um, and it was actually this book that I remember reading by Donna Cardillo, I think is her name. And I remember in her book, she wrote, unless you call yourself the thing that you want other people to see you, then no one's going to call you what you want to be called, right? Unless I want to be called Antoinette. And I'm I'm paraphrasing and probably adding my own like verbiage to it as well. But unless I want people to call me Antoinette, 
no one's going to know that unless I call that to myself as well too. Right. I, I identify with that. And so I think there was a portion where I had to say, yes, this is who I want to be. And I think just verbalizing that was like a big, big deal for me because then I didn't have to like put all these other parameters around it of like, I'm Antoinette. And I just try to like throw it at the tail and I throw in all these other things. And I would say it really quietly, like, missionary nurse, you know, like I would like whisper it, <laughs> but I, I really had to kind of be bold in myself in my introduction. And so I think, you know, a portion of it was like, what's going to help people recognize what I'm doing. A portion of that was like building a website. Um, a portion of that was learning as much as I possibly could before I could just put a tagline on the public front. I had to build it into, I had to take my own vision planning um, thing for myself seriously. And I think a lot of my platforms of how I do that, and even a lot of my methodologies come from the work that I've had to do myself. It's not like, hey, I'm just going to teach you this thing because I think it's a great idea. But it's like, I've had to work through these things on my own as well. Like I've had to come to those conclusions. And so a lot of it was really educating myself, building a lot of people around me to say, you know what, this person looks like they're doing what I want to do. I want to learn from them. I want to understand what they're doing. So that at least I can kind of vicariously build up some confidence that it can be done, that there are people who are doing it, and then continue to call myself what that is. And as I embraced the this understanding identity, I felt like opportunities kind of came to me of like, hey, how do you want to be called? How do you want to be defined? And I was like, you know what? You have two choices. You either say this thing or you just don't say anything at all. And I had to decide, <laughs> I'm going to call myself this. I'm going to do this thing. And then, of course, you know, practical steps of if I really want to make an impact, I have to kind of formalize this, I have to figure out how this is done. And so I was like, you know what, I don't know what to do, but I know there's a small business development center out there and I've kind of heard about it. So I started going and, and connecting with the small business development center. I listened as I was commuting, I was just starting an adjunct position at the time for teaching in between figuring everything out. And I would listen to podcasts after podcasts on any and everything business and vision planning and everything that I could possibly, <laughs> it was like this hunger yeah. that was awakened. And it was like, oh, I only wanted to live and breathe and learn anything that I possibly could. You know, I went to the library and checked out all kinds of books on business just so that I can at least learn the vocabulary. And I think that's half the battle is just the vocabulary. What do you say at the right time about certain things? It's not about knowing everything. It's just about educating yourself. And so when I got to that point, as people would ask, oh, what are you doing? Or what are you studying for? Or, or what are you looking up? And I'd say, oh, well, actually, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm owner of this consulting coaching service. You know, I go by this tagline of visionary nurse, and I really just started to embrace it and recognizing as I embraced it, other people also wanted to embrace it with me. And I think that's a beautiful thing, because I think when people see that you're comfortable in what you're embracing, even if you don't really feel like you are all the way, they start to say, you know what? I respect that. I like I like what you're doing and I'm going to call you the thing that you want to be called as well. And so I think that's how it came to being. And it took time because there were definitely moments where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Why am I saying this? What's going on? And then there were points where it's like, you know what? I, I'm going to call you up. I'm going to email you and say, you know what? I heard that you were doing this thing. I want to be here. <laughs> and people would say yes. So I was like, okay, keep saying yes. And from that, people kept, they, they started to help me. I remember one time I scheduled this meeting with this director of one of the hospitals, um, local hospitals in the area. And I was like, I love what you all are doing. I would love to see if there's some way I can talk and contribute to it. I don't know how I will be able to do that, but I'm willing to try. And they totally were open to it. And as a result of it, they called everyone else in their network and said, you know what? Meet with this person. I think at the very least, it's great to, to listen to her. And it was like, if this person has enough desire to believe in what I'm telling them, then there must be something to it. And so it helped build my confidence to say, you know what, 
yes, I will email this person and say this thing. And obviously in a tactful way, um, I didn't try to, and I think that was the other thing. I didn't try to come with all the answers. I didn't come even, even as I, even it's, it's the same way I practiced when I was doing much more clinical work. I wasn't coming to tell you, I, I have the answer and I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to say, you know what? I want to partner with you. Maybe there's something that I can contribute. We may not know how, what that looks like right now. And I've definitely received a lot of like rejection on, on the same front of like, no, we don't want, we don't want to listen to what you're doing. We don't know what you're doing, et cetera. But there was a lot more people that also said, you know what? Hey, we're willing to listen, even if we don't know what to do. And if, if, if people are at least willing to listen, then it's only a matter of time. So, I love those I tips. Yeah. I I'm writing a book right now and I have a book coach and he's awesome. And he instructed us to start calling ourselves authors before we had written. Like I've done a dissertation, right? But I've never done a formal book. And so he had us write this and I'm going to show you on the screen for those that are watching this, but it says, I am, oops, you can't really see it, but it says, I am an author. And mm. so he, and I keep it on my desk. It's this little pink post-it that says I'm an author and it has a heart on it. And he said he wanted us every single day to say I'm an author before we start writing, mm-hmm. because then we start to identify. Like, so mm-hmm. now when people, I don't have a book yet. It's not done. I'm still writing it. It's going to be done soon. But now when people ask me what I do, well, I'm a nurse entrepreneur and I'm a nurse innovator and I'm a nurse author. Absolutely. Right? So I love that. I, I love really identifying and verbalizing what you are because people don't know. They don't know what to call you, right? They, I have people that are like, Dr. Chris, Dr. Racino. And I just have to say, no, I just, my name is Christina, but I go by Chris. Right. You, um, and so I love that. I think that's great. And I really love how you kind of shared, you know, asking and, and the reality is you're going to get a lot of no's and that's okay. Um, because you still learn from those no's regardless of how hard they are. I don't know that they get any easier. So I've gotten a lot of rejection and no's in my life too. And it's not easier, but I always look back and I'm like, Oh, that was supposed to have happened. That was, I was supposed to have, that was supposed to have not happened um, for me to be where I'm at. So always super appreciative. Now, yeah. I, I want to hit on one last piece, which is hardships. So, you know, you shared your hardships and I, I, my condolences for you and your dad, you know, that I've lost my daughter. So I, I can relate in terms of losses, whether it be a, in a loss of life or a divorce or, a, you know, a move, a loss in general, how that can really propel you to do something different with your life. Talk to me about hardships, how to really kind of embrace your own reality and you know, for that person that's listening right now that has had that hardship, like where do they go from here? How do they begin to, you know, move into where their vision is? Yeah. I think the biggest thing is being honest with yourself where you are, right? I think a lot of times, especially for those who want to accomplish a thing, it can be very easy to just say, well, I don't want anything to derail me. So let me just not think about it or let me not embrace it or let me not even credit it as something that could help someone else. Um, and I think just being able to acknowledge and saying, you know what, this was hard. This was hard. Like, this is a hard thing. This is a, a, a tough thing. This is a challenging thing. This is a sad thing. This is a disappointing thing. It's okay to feel. I think that's the biggest piece. And I think it's okay to give yourself space to, to feel. And this is not by any means any medical advice of like counseling or whatever. But I think it's just being okay. Like if something didn't work out the way you thought, it's okay to, to feel. But also measure in the grand scheme what is it going to hurt or help me if I decide to turn this into something that could help someone else? And I think one of the biggest ways of healing is, is helping someone else. It's not about suppressing your own self, but I think when you're able to take something constructive with pain, 
and turn it into something else so it doesn't always feel like pain for you is a really good step to not forgetting what's happened or saying it never happened, but seeing that there's life that can come out of it. Um, and I often like to think of the example of like a seed. I'm, I've been, I've gotten really into gardening these days <laughs> and planting things and vegetable gardens and all that, all that kind of stuff. But unless a seed is planted and unless the initial structure of that seed is transformed, it dies, it changes, it will never return back to that small thing again. Unless it goes through that transformation, it's not going to become something of a harvest. It's not going to become something that's greater, bigger than what it is. But the beautiful thing about that seed is that even if it will never look like what it was before, what was always instilled in that seed is ultimately the big outcome, even if it doesn't look like it at that moment. So that pain may feel like a seed that's buried in the ground and that hurts and and nothing could seem to come from it. It may seem like it's just so overwhelmed and oppressed by whatever the environment it is right at that point that it's not going to become something else. But the beautiful thing about that seed is, again, it already inherently has exactly what it needs in the environment that it's in, it's it's just worked into it. So it's just a matter of saying, you know what? I know more can come out of this. And I think it's recognizing whether it's getting help, getting therapy, talking through it with someone and saying, you know what? There's more that can come out of this. Even if I can't see it now, even if I don't even know how to do anything with that now, in the same way that you have that sticky note, the minute that hard thing happens, at least when it's fresh in your mind, write down something more can come of this. And just remind yourself until that something comes. You may not know how to get there, but just just put it there, just to remind yourself, just to say something more can come. And again, it's not to discredit the thing. It's not to push the thing away. But I think when it gets to that point, it's also, again, educating yourself, reminding yourself, giving yourself those markers to say, I want more to come out of this. And when you can get to that point of, I want more, not just something more can happen, but I want more to come out of this, then that's where that seed or that thing or that loss starts to transform into more than just the loss. So even as I talk about the hard things that have happened in my life, and that's one of many hard things, and recognizing that many of us have gone through very hard things, there's a point of saying, there's something more that can happen. I want more to happen. More will happen. And then more happens. And it's really just defining that step. So it's saying, you know what? Despite loss, more is happening. You know, despite rejection, fear, the overwhelm, feeling like you got knocked off your feet completely and you don't know how to pick yourself back up again, more can happen. And some of that more may be just changing your story to impact someone some, someone else and something else. I've always kind of learned that one of the taglines that my biological father had was, so what are you going to do with your life? And I've literally kind of embraced it and kind of turned it into my thing and have this own little tagline of like, so may you dare to be influentially visionary and just recognizing what do you want to do with your life? Even if pain exists, what do you want to do? Even if things happen, what do you want to do? And when you find that thing that you want to do, do it in a way that's going to dare you to be influentially visionary so that you know the very seed that had to die, unfortunately, maybe not had to, but that maybe ended up dying, it will grow into something more beautiful if you're willing to say, I want something more. I have no words. I literally, (laughs) like... (laughs) I'm just sitting here because um, all of those things, all of those things that you just said, um, I mean, it is how we find meaning as human beings by taking that loss and then by pouring it into others um, is how we find healing. And so this has just been such an amazing time. Antoinette, I am so glad that we had the opportunity to have you on the show. 
if folks want to find out more about you and the work that you're doing with the Visionary Nurse, where can they find you? Yeah. So I'll make it real easy. You can just go to www.visionarynurse.com, Instagram, Facebook's Visionary Nurse. Um, you can check me out on LinkedIn, um, Antoinette Montalvo. And I'm sure you'll put that in the notes because I know my name's kind of long. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but just, yeah, connect with me. I love to just hear people's stories and connect and find ways to encourage and motivate and uplift. And just, you know, find some resources that are hanging out in the places and spaces that I reside in social media land and, and, and let it encourage you. Let it inspire you to be that change agent and may it inspire you to be influentially visionary. Uh, I have no doubt that people are walking away from this episode feeling absolutely influentially visionary. So thank you so much. It has been so fun. Thank you, Chris. 